0: Hello, welcome to Situation Positive, a positive community for those living with chronic illness. My name is Matt Cavallo, and I'm the host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tara Tingi. Hey, Tara.
1: Hey, Matt. Thanks. Yeah, I'm Tara Tengi and uh, I'm excited today. We're going to introduce our guest today. We have Chandler Cruz with us. Chandler, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you guys?
1: Doing excellent. So I've been looking through a lot of your videos, kind of reading some stuff about you, and For those of our viewers who don't know much about you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story?
2: So, I'm Chandler Cruz. I have the most common form of dwarfism, which is achondroplasia. And what that is, is basically I have the average trunk of average, you know, average height people, but my arms and legs were shorter. Um, My humerus, so your upper arms and my upper and lower legs, so the femurs and tibias were all, you know, kind of very short and compacted and it caused my legs to be bowed and it caused a lot of limb alignment issues. And when I was 16 i decided to go through a series of operations known as limb lengthening and it's exactly how it sounds i lengthened my arms and legs and also corrected some of the deformities from are on my legs and you know it just it was a very long journey and i documented that journey for three to four years. I'm still kind of, like, I'm still documenting my whole experience, but throughout my, throughout the four years I went through lengthening, I documented basically every single day on Facebook, you know, just how it was, how, I, how I was experiencing it. And it just kind of really snowballed into something bigger. And today it's, what has made me become a patient advocate for those with specifically achondroplasia, but hopefully others in the dwarfism community as well that want to uh, either kind of experience, go through the same procedure I went went through, but also, um, you know, I'm an advocate for all treatment options that, are currently being developed for achondroplasia because 10 years ago and even still kind of technically today, limb lengthening or limb alignment correction, kind of however we want to call it, is slash was the only treatment option available for those with specifically achondroplasia. And knowing that, you know, things are changing and that there are, going to hopefully be new treatments on the market soon. I am a huge advocate and supporter for that as well, because I just think people should just know what their options are and know that, you know, you don't just have only one option or one way to live your life with achondroplasia. Um, And we can kind of like dive into that more when we, I guess, talk more about achondroplasia, but you know, it's just, it's a very exciting time right now.
0: That's, that's great information. And I want to learn a little bit about that later, but one of the things I'm interested in um, is what you were talking about earlier. You're talking about documenting your story and uh, I'd like to learn a little bit. How old were you when you decided to go through this surgery?
2: So I was 16 when I made the decision. However, I always knew that this, that limb lengthening, I always knew it was an option. I always knew it was available. My parents were very, you know, they wanted me to know growing up. They just wanted me to know like, Hey, this is out there. We even consulted and met with, um, orthopedists who are specialized in limb lengthening for achondroplasia, because that is a very small number. Limb lengthening is, you know, it's a very, a lot of orthopedists do it for different conditions. However, not all of them do it for patients with achondroplasia. And the reason why, you know, you need to go to someone who's specialized in achondroplasia is because achondroplasia patients, you also have to monitor their spine and, you know, their whole, you know, skeletal dysplasia is, you know, you know, you have to be specialized in it. It's not just something that any average orthopedist can do. And so there's only about a little over a handful, even today of orthopedists in the United States who are specialized in limb lengthening for achondroplasia. And so growing up, my parents, we met and consulted with one orthopedist about every year. The reason my parents wanted to do that was um, we started meeting with him when I was about one or two. And it was just so we could know him. And had I ever decided to go through lengthening, you know, we had already kind of built that rapport and like, it wouldn't be, if I ever made the decision, we would be diving into it and like meeting a surgeon for the first time. And so uh, we met with this one surgeon on every year for about, I would say eight years or so. And then when I was in fifth or sixth grade, I think it was fifth grade, my mom and I, we met with another orthopedist in New York. Who, you know, it was just to get, you know, just so we could know somebody else that does it. And so we went and we met him and we liked him. And then I was in middle school at the time. And the thing about lengthening, going through limb lengthening, it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment for anyone who goes through it, whether they have dwarfism or some other diagnosis. Um, but it's a big commitment. And I understood that. But, you know, growing up, I was also a dancer and I had dance recitals every summer. And I was like, well, you know, I don't want to have to miss out on dance or I don't want to have to miss out on the seventh and eighth grade school play. I don't want to. I'm from the South. And when sixth through ninth grade, we did cotillion every Saturday and I loved that as unpopular as that might be for some people, but I loved doing cotillion. And I was like, I don't want to miss any cotillion. Like I don't, you know, I want my last year of cotillion. I want to get that plaque that, you know, perfect attendance all four years, which I got it. Um, But, you know, it was just always, I always kind of had an excuse or, you know, I had a reason for why I just didn't want to like Go through lengthening. And it wasn't ever anything my parents pressured me into. Um, but also I would make these comments about, you know, just kind of like I would make comments like, oh, well, when I lengthen, I'll be able to do this. And then that's when my mom would be like, Okay, so do you want to go through this? And um, I didn't. And then finally, when I was 16 we went on a family vacation at the end of the summer and my mom and I were walking and we were walking behind the rest of the family because I was, it it was just hard for me to keep up. And it was just our normal. And we hadn't even been talking about it really in a while. And I think my mom just assumed I hadn't brought it up. And so she was just like, I'm not going to bring it up anymore. And so, um, we but we had kind of been talking about I might need to be considering leg straightening because my legs were severely bowed and so I kind of knew that in the back of my mind that that would be something coming probably sooner rather than later and um but again we were on this family vacation and we hadn't even been talking about lengthening in a while and out of the cold blue I just looked at my mom and I was just like I just need you to make me do it. And I said it in that very 16-year-old tone of like, you should just know what I'm talking about. And those were my exact words. And she was like, do what? Like, we we weren't even, like, it wasn't even on the table. And I was just like, lengthen my legs. And she was like, oh, 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 okay. Like, you know, it was just kind of, I think it was it's weird how I kind of like I don't know if I kind of like blocked that memory out on purpose, but I don't really remember much after that or like much of our conversations after that. But I do remember she was like, well, you know, when we get home, we'll just, you know, we'll get online and we'll just assess. We can go visit, you know, we can go down to Florida and visit Dr. Paley and then we can go to New York and we can visit Dr. Rosbrook. And I was just like, okay, like, you know, great. We're going to, we've got that situated. And um, again, it, it was like, we get home and you know how like post vacation, you've just kind of got all this stuff you're doing. And, but we knew there was going to be some special on TV and they were kind of covering different medical journeys, I think. And one was this one girl who she had one leg shorter than the other. And she was going through limb lengthening and they talked about this one doctor who was in Baltimore. And I was just like my exact words. When I saw this doctor, I was like, well, what about that guy? And my mom was like, well, let me look him up. Like, you know, great. Like, you know, this is good. And she looked him up and he's at the exact hospital that Um, or with the exact team because they actually moved hospitals but he was with the exact team that we had met with um, when I was growing up but we never he was never part of the practice until he never became part of the practice until after we had stopped coming to Baltimore and so um, my mom called them like the next day And I remember she came home and she was like, all right, well, I set you up an appointment and we're going to go to Baltimore on (laughs) August 5th and, you know, meet with this one doctor. And lo and behold, 10 years later, here we are. And he's like, you know, the coolest, I would say, you know, guy. Um, But it was just one of those, I was, I think it was just, I was ready And it was just something I really wanted to do. And after meeting him, I knew, you know, he was the person that I wanted to go through or that I wanted to be leading my care. And I think a lot of that decision had to do with the fact that I was 16 and, you know, it was something that, you know, it was, I was like full on just kind of like driving the whole situation. And I made the decision that he was going to be my doctor and I did not leave that appointment without making, um, without scheduling surgery, because I was, I mean, I would have done it the next day if he had let me, but he was too booked. And so I couldn't, but, um, you know, it was just very, you know, it was just, I was ready and I wanted to do it, but getting to the whole, you know, I was 16 and I was documenting it. The reason why I did that was because I, again, limb lengthening for dwarfism, it's not something that's so popular and not a lot of people are specialized in it. And not a lot of people with achondroplasia go through it. And so there's, and unfortunately, I think that has to do with the fact that there was a lot of outdated and misinformation on the internet about it. And, you know, there was, there had never been any, there had been stories of several patients who had gone through it, but those stories were stories from like late nineties, early two thousands. There hadn't been much like recent stories that or patient experiences that I could kind of like look at and again there was also a lot of misinformation about it which made people like frown upon it and so my mom you know and I talked and she you know was like you know oh maybe you should document it and you know you could kind of just share your experience because I remember when we met with my doctor whose his name's Sean Standard, when we met with Dr. Standard, and he like just told me everything there is about the surgery and I was like, God, I thought it was gonna be like a lot more intense and worse than this. And, you know, that was kind of what also, you know, made me think to document it because there was so much just false information out there about it. And so I decided, you know, in the time frame between meeting him and when I had my surgery, I, my mom and I decided, you know, let's just document and just see how it goes and just, you know, share the day to day. And so I did, and I shared every single little detail that I could from how I was feeling the day after surgery to how I was feeling a month, three months. And then, you know, just so on. And I was as transparent as I was. I was pretty transparent throughout the whole thing. There were some things, you know, I, there'd be days where I'm like, I just don't want to post about this. Um, but that has really since snowballed into something big. And I didn't realize just how many people were out there like me who just wanted the information and who just wanted the guidance and the knowledge about this procedure, because I had people who had privately messaged me um, who would just be like, I'm so glad you're doing this because, you know, this is something my child has been considering and we didn't know that this was, you know, we just didn't know. And so, I mean, I do know that I was one of the very first, if not, only you do person have a who, lot of people. In, you know, really documented so from day
0: one. We're gonna we're gonna to share you, you know, throughout the all whole the experience. links so people can find out more about you on our blog at situationpositive.org. I wanna go back to that 16-year-old you and if you had any advice for that young girl, maybe she was having a hard time talking to her mom or even like Coming to terms with the fact that maybe I want to do this, like what advice would you give to that? Not only think- young girl, but maybe a boy that was going through it, just somebody who's considering the surgery.
2: If I was talking to myself at 16, I would tell her, you know, you're gonna wish you would have just done this when you were younger because you know looking back you would have only missed one dance recital however doing it now is going to be just as you know a great and rewarding experience as it probably would have been had you done it at you know 8 11 or 13 years old um looking but you know one thing that we um My parents and I realized while I was going through my first lengthening, my mom, she was, she told me one day, she was like, you know what, she was like, I knew you, and she was like, I knew, I knew you would want this, and she was like, I should have just, no matter how many times you told me, you know, you didn't want to do it because of the dance recital, or you didn't want to do it because of this, I should have just made you do it. Um, cause she was like, you know, I just knew you, I knew there would come a day where you made that you would make this decision. And I think all, you know, when I think about that, I think, you know, no parent or no person knows a child better than a parent does. And I, you know, I feel bad for my parents because I think, I feel they were probably, or I know they were, I don't. No, if bully is the right word but I think it is but you know they were kind of pressured and bullied you know from others who were like you know don't make your child go through that because you're gonna you know it should be her decision or you know she's just gonna think you're not accepting of her and that's never ever been the case my parents have you know never once made me feel different because I have dwarfism and my two older siblings don't Um, you know, they've always just treated me the same way they treat my siblings. And so I think they were just, you know, they didn't want, I don't think they wanted me to resent them. But then my mom, you know, like I said, she was like, you know, you, I knew, I knew, I just knew you were going to make this decision someday. And I should have just made you do it when you were younger, because it would have, it would have been easier to go through when I was younger, I was 16, almost 17. Um, When I was going through it, I was like, I made the decision to do this, like literally three weeks before I was, I was supposed to start my junior year of high school. And yeah, and at my school that I went to the junior year, is kind of one of the hardest years. And so, you know, it was just kind of, I missed my junior year and I missed my senior year too, but it, you know, it was was hard. It was really hard going through school while doing all of this. Um, And so that's just one way to look at it. But, you know, there are a lot of benefits of going through it when I did versus when I was younger. And, um, but again, it's just, you know, being, but being 16, I would tell myself, or if I was to talk to my 16 year old self or any who's 16 right now with achondroplasia and wanting to go through it, you know, I would say if you, if you know, this is what you want, just do it, just go through it and just do it now. And don't even, you know, it's best to just not even look at what you're, I mean, it's hard not to but for me, it was just best to not even think about what's on the life calendar because that's just going to make you want to pause and overthink it and move it again. And, you know, if you know this is something you want, just do it and you figure out the rest along the way. Maybe that's not how everybody goes through life, but that's kind of how I do. And it's just been, you know, it's worked out for me. I feel like 16 is really that moment in your life childhood where you're just like you know trying to figure out who you are and then but you want to go through this surgery and that I mean for me that made me going through it made me who I am and it's who I always wanted to be and I think I just you know it was hard for me to say that out loud because I kind of like just didn't want to I kind of just wanted to do it without a I, like I had mentioned earlier, when we were speaking, I, I wish I could have just gone to sleep one night and woken up the next day and just been who I wanted to be. But it it finally occurred to me at 16 that I'm going to have to work for it. And that's never going to happen overnight.
1: As hard as that whole process of deciding and then going through the actual treatment, it sounds like it was worth it in the end for you.
2: It, definitely. I mean, I, say, I would do it again tomorrow if I wanted to. Um, I'm very content and satisfied with my height and where I am in life today. It is very rewarding. And like I said, I would do it again, I would do it again tomorrow if I could, or if I wanted to, and without even giving it a second thought. And, you know, had, had I known this is exactly how it was all going to play out when I was like twelve, I would have said, all right, let's do it. Um, but you know, you can't change the past, but maybe you can influence somebody's future. And so, you know, you kind of had to look at the future. And I didn't know that when going until I went through it, because one thing I do tell people is like the start to finish is about six to seven months. And that's I mean, that's half to almost more than half the year and you know people kind of zone in on that and they're like oh my god that's seven months I'm like yeah but you know when you're looking at seven months out of your entire life that's just like a few minutes out of your day it's it, it's really some people have even compared it to pregnancy which I mean I've never been pregnant so I don't know how that is but I know it's a long um process as well and so I mean yeah it's kind of like I guess being pregnant and then, you know, you, some people do it again and they do it again. And so I'm just like, if you want to do this, I say, go through it. It is very rewarding. And I would not, you know, I always say, I wish I would have done it when I was younger, but I wouldn't change, you know, I'm glad I did it when I did. And I wouldn't change anything that has happened from then since.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you keep talking about how rewarding it is. Tell me a little bit about like once you finish your treatment, what kinds of things were you able to do? Like I know you mentioned in one of your videos, just washing your hair or being able to find clothes, stuff like that.
2: So after my first lengthening, a lot did change and there were, you know, I was able to do a lot of, you know, things I couldn't do before, like household kind of everyday things were um easier to do. And then I lengthened my arms the following year in 2012. And I was one that kept on telling people like, well, you know, I'll probably never lengthen my arms just because I feel like that's not going to do too, too much. Like, I don't know, but why? But I was just like, I'll probably not lengthen my arms. But then I kind of made like I did when I lengthened my legs made the last minute decision to do arm lengthening. And I did not realize how the benefit of having longer arms is on life. It really, you know, it, it's just, I mean, just being a woman, you know, it it really, it does help to have longer arms. And then when I did my it was after my second leg lengthening that I really had the most I would say felt the most rewarding because that after my second leg lengthening that's really when I was able to just buy pants like actual pants not capris acting as pants like I could buy jeans right off the rack I can go into J Crew go to the petite section and I can buy jeans and they don't need alterations and you know I can drive a car with no you know adaptations needed I can travel when we're back into a traveling world but I can travel and rent a car and you know not have to worry about you know needing to add pedal extenders to the car that I'm renting but the most um rewarding thing for me personally that I gained from all of this that and it's something that never was even on my radar really until I think after my after yeah until after my second leg lengthening was having face-to-face conversations with my peers it was just I don't know why it was something I never thought of but until but one day I realized I was I realized people were treating me differently, but you know, in a good way. And I felt like people treated me as my age or they treated me, I would say with more respect. And it's not that I don't think people ever treated me with disrespect, but when I was 3'10", I, you know, I looked younger than I was. And I think people just kind of have this subconsciousness of, you know, when they see someone who's 3'10", and I think that's about the same height as like a second or third grader, I could be wrong. But, you know, when they see someone who's 3'10", they treat them younger than they are, but it's like, I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone ever does it on purpose. It's just kind of like this thing that you don't realize you're doing And I truly felt like for me personally, people treated me more maturely. And I think I was also acting more mature. And, you know, I just, I never realized the, you know, the impact of being able to have face-to-face conversations with people. I never realized how big of an impact that makes in somebody's day-to-day life. Um, it's just that, right, really the whole having face-to-face conversations with people is really probably my favorite thing that I have gained from all of this. Yes, I love the physical independence of things and being, you know, able to drive a car and to walk long distances without, you know, getting tired soon. I love all of, like, the physical, physicalities that I can do now but being able to have face-to-face conversations with people has been for me the most rewarding experience
0: we're talking to Chandler Cruz and as we start to get towards the end here if people want to learn more about you where where can they go to learn more
2: so I have a Facebook page where for the past Eleven years now have documented the whole my whole journey, and it's called Chandler in Baltimore. And then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Chan Cruz. That's just C H A N C R E W S. And then I also have my own website, ChandlerCruz.com, and my own nonprofit, the ChandlerProject.org.
0: And as we're winding down, do you have any closing thoughts that you want to share with the audience?
2: I do want to mention that and i know we discussed this earlier, but I want to mention how you know I talked a lot about my lengthening experience, and you know it's something I could talk about forever like we did today. However, I want to mention that you know it's not the only option um there's, you know, my reason for documenting my whole experience, you know, was to advocate and to just keep people in the know. But it turned into also providing people with information about all options available. And currently, yes, limb lengthening, really, I think this is going to be the last year. I think 2021 is going to be the last year that limb lengthening will be considered the only treatment option available for patients with achondroplasia because there are other treatment options being developed that I know people are interested in because limb lengthening it is an extensive process and it is a lot to go through and you know it takes again it takes a lot of time And all, you know, it has greatly impacted me, you know, health-wise. It corrected my limb alignment, some hip issues, which then corrects your lower, the lower achondroplasia spine. It does have a lot of health medical benefits. Otherwise they wouldn't do this for patients with achondroplasia. However, that's all it does. It only treats the orthopedic side of achondroplasia it doesn't treat the genetic side of achondroplasia i would say um and so i want to you know make people know that if you know limb lengthening is something that will always be an option but it's not going to be the only option for much longer and i just want people to know you know like i said um you know, if you're, if limb lengthening is something that you want to go through, I'm sure there's also people who are considering going through these other options. And I advocate for that the same way I would for, or the same way I do for lengthening and just know, you know, get your resources and know what you want because these new options that are becoming available are gonna greatly impact the really overall um, what's the word I'm looking for but like overall achond- ach- achondroplasia overall and you know there these new treatments are to potentially help prevent complications that can occur. One thing I didn't I also didn't mention was limb lengthening was the only um, surgery technically that I went through. Um, when I was younger, I had about 12 sets of ear tubes, which is very common for those with achondroplasia, but and that those were um, having the ear tubes, those were necessary procedures. Limb lengthening was really pretty much all elective And, um, I was fortunate enough in my experience with achondroplasia, I was very fortunate that that's, ear tubes have only ever been the only necessary procedures that I needed. Whereas there's a lot of patients with achondroplasia who that's not the case. Um, I know many who have had shunts, many who have had spinal fusions, many who have had, um, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for, trachea, uh, trachs, because, you know, they've had breathing complications. And so, uh, you know, part of me feels like I won the lottery with having achondroplasia because I didn't have, or I didn't have to experience a lot of these medical complications that occur, but that's not the case. And you don't know that um, when you're a child, you don't know when you have a baby with achondroplasia, you don't know, um, you know, what they're going to go through. And so I do want to mention that, you know, there's other options out there soon, sooner rather than later. There's other options out there besides limb lengthening that are going to provide patients with the opportunity to not have to potential, potentially experience and go through these um, really severe health risks and complications that can occur with having a
0: Thank you for being such a positive voice and uh, uh, advocating and, and informing our audience. I know I learned a lot today.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, again, I could literally, I could talk for four hours or more. I, you know,
0: but <laughs> we're going to have to have you come back. Um, and thank you so much for stopping by and sharing your story. I've learned a lot. I've had a great time talking to you tonight. Um, and uh, just want to thank you for joining us.
2: I'm so excited to be here. This is, I think, I think this might be the first podcast I've ever done. So like,
0: it's not there going to be the last. I'll tell you that much. I'm very
2: excited. This was very, you know, I really enjoyed this. We oh. enjoyed having you. <laughs>
0: yeah. So on, on behalf of Chandler and Tara, my name's Matt and this has been Situation Positive. We look forward to bringing you another inspirational story soon.